You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast Series with Executive Women's Forum. From Executive Women's Forum, this is Next Exec, a podcast where we discuss diverse and current topics within the context of information security, risk management, privacy, and women in IT. I'm today's host, Audrey Gonzalez, and this episode is a part of Next Exec's Wise Women series, where we sit down with accomplished industry executives. Today, we have the pleasure of chatting with Chandra McMahon about her personal experiences as a female leader in the industry. Chandra McMahon is a Senior Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer at Verizon. She's responsible for setting information security strategy, policy, standards, architecture, and processes. Prior to joining Verizon, she held leadership positions of increasing responsibility at Lockheed Martin, including serving as the company's Chief Information Security Officer, and most recently as Vice President of Commercial Markets. In that role, she was responsible for developing and delivering a portfolio of cybersecurity and IT solutions and services for Fortune 500 companies and critical infrastructure industries, such as financial, utility, and technology companies. She is currently a member of the Aspen Institute Cyber Strategy Group, a cross-sector public-private forum aimed at translating pressing cybersecurity conversations into action. And she holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Industrial Engineering and Operations Research from Virginia Tech, as well as a Master's degree in Engineering Science from Penn State University. Thank you for joining us today, Shandra. I'm thrilled to be here. So, you've had a wealth of leadership experience in diverse industries in a very technical space. Would you mind sharing with us were there certain people or experiences throughout your life that helped shape your path or stand out as a life-changing turning point for you? Yes, as I think about um, the course of my career, it's been a tremendous journey. And there have been um, times within within that career over that time where I've had to take risks um, in terms of looking at additional opportunities or job opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken a couple steps in my career where I've gone into roles that were a little bit risky and just really did well in them and were able, was then able to move on to other interesting leadership roles as a result of that. And how is your life different now than you might have imagined it in your 20s or while you were graduating from college? When I was graduating from college, I was um, so focused on engineering and software engineering, and I never envisioned that today I'd be a chief information security officer um, for a company like Verizon. And I looked at my career and what I wanted to do next back in my 20s about I just wanted to go do a lot of amazing technical work, um, technology work in support of a business and solving business problems through technology. And then later on in my career, like trans, trans, um, you know, transforming businesses and really solving complex uh, business problems. Um, And so, you know, my approach to the career was always, you know, what in that next role, what other tools or skills could I develop to a higher degree of proficiency and really looking at each step as a stepping stone towards a job, three jobs from them or four jobs from them, just not the next job that I was moving into. So it's been a tremendous, um, tremendous ride. It's been amazing. And I'm so grateful for the mentors that I've had and the support that I've 
I've had from a number of people over the course of my career because they really pushed me um, to excel, um, pushed me to take risks that I might not normally have taken, um, and helped me to find um, and really, you know, take what were my strengths and make them into superpowers. Yeah. I love that. So you mentioned that there's very important mentors in your life. Do you have any advice for our listeners who are looking to be effective mentors? Absolutely. So um, for about 20 years, I've had what I would call a personal board of directors, which is um, made up over the years, it's been made up of six to eight um, different individuals who have a variety of um, business experience um, and personal professional experience and that know me really well um, and care about me and my future and my success. And I've worked with them over the last uh, 20 years. Some of them have changed over the time based on the roles and the industries I've moved to. And, you know, I as I think about what they offered me and as I think about what I try to do when I I mentor an individual or a couple of things. One is to shine a light on the person that you're mentoring, their strengths. Because sometimes I feel when you work with individuals that you're mentoring, they don't either have the full confidence around their strengths or they don't see, they sometimes don't see what their true strengths are. Mm. Um, I love mentors that ask questions. They don't give the person they're mentoring the answers, but they ask provocative questions and questions where the mentee will walk away and think about for days, um, what do I want to do with that? Um, What could I do differently? How does this um, work? And then I think the other value a mentor does in terms of being effective is offer a different perspective on a situation. Mm -hmm. A number of times when I work with um, the women that I mentor, Um, They'll come in and they're working through an issue and it's a challenge, um, like in a team they're working on or a problem they're trying to solve. And, you know, they're looking at it from a specific perspective. And then, you know, an effective mentor is able to see, well, let's talk about the other stakeholders and what their perspectives could be. And in offering that alternative or different perspective, then the individual that's being mentored is able to think more broadly, either from a business perspective or from a stakeholder relationship perspective about the problem they're trying to solve. And not the just the work they're trying to do, but the how they're trying to get the work done Mm -hmm. and how they're working with people to get the work done. So I really think effective mentors, they inspire the mentee that they're working with. Um, They shine a light on their strengths. They, um, you know, ask provocative questions, right? And then they offer a a unique or different perspective that allows the mentee to to think differently about whatever the issue or the matter is that that they're discussing. That's really helpful. Thank you, Chandra. Now, I'd like to also, I think, um, can we talk about mentees a little bit? Because, you know, I would really recommend that everybody think of creating their own personal board of directors and mm-hmm. having a group of people that n- that know you really well, know what you're passionate about, what your personal values are, right. and what your aspirations are. And I think um, in order to work with a mentor effectively, 
Um, it's important to, you want to work with mentors that are going to help you on specific aspects of what you're trying to work on and do. Mm-hmm. And that might be specialists in an area. So if, yeah. if you need to get mentoring in change management, well, you really want a mentor that is an expert in yeah. change management, right? And so I think oftentimes mentees just want to, you know, I want to be mentored by a, a label, a titled person mm-hmm. versus what is it you're seeking the mentoring on? Are mm-hmm. you trying to work on a specific area of your leadership? Are you trying to work on a specific area of um, a, mastering a technical area? Are you trying to work on just mastering and understanding the environment that you work in, maybe the business that you're working and you need some mentoring on what, what are some of the norms um, and unwritten, unspoken code for how that business operates? And so I think as a mentee, the way you can help your mentor be more effective is if there's clarity around what your ask is of the mentor, right? And then you really need to own, the mentees need to own the mentoring relationship. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that need to be requesting the meetings, um, scheduling the time and being very focused on making sure that the mentoring sessions really, when you're able to spend time with somebody that has tremendous expertise, that you're really like getting the most out of that opportunity. And yeah, I love that word intentional, that you're really intentional about that. So I think the mentoring mentee relationship, um, you know, can be invaluable. It can be very beneficial. And then I also think it's important that if you start a mentoring relationship and it just doesn't sit well or it's Mm -hmm. not it doesn't feel right then be bold and make a change um and and you know move to another uh, mentoring construct that Mm -hmm. might be more suitable or more comfortable for you Mm -hmm. might energize you more and you you really have to click with your with your mentor for it to motivate you and challenge you and inspire you Mm -hmm. um you know in terms of the things you want to do both professionally and personally right thank you So what are some of the hurdles that you have faced as a leader throughout your career and how have you personally been able to meet them with success? Leadership, it has ebbs and flows and hurdles and mountains to climb and valleys to go through. And, you know, I think about you know, I often think about this rule of two, like the two hour, the two day, two week, two year. And sometimes in leadership, when you're in an area and something is very challenging in that moment, you know, there's a lot of energy, emotion, you're trying to get through it. Um, and so some of the hurdles, while I felt at the time were like these daunting hurdles, you know, in the two hours they were yeah. in the two days still were but two months two years from now it was like you look back on it and you go yeah that was a hurdle and I got through it and I learned if I had a failure in that or if I had an opportunity to have done it differently like lessons learned I'm a big fan of lessons learned I always ask myself how can I be more effective in anything I do Um, so that becomes important how can I be Mm -hmm. more effective and so 
understanding that when you're in that moment facing that challenge or hurdle from a leadership perspective, you're calling on all your capabilities mm. to work with that. You're getting feedback. Like anytime I hit a significant hurdle, whether it's a, a challenging project that was stuck or, you know, we're running a cyber incident and there, you know, there's just a lot of energy and focus around that. Um, all those hurdles, like always asking yourself, am I being effective leader? What could I, what could I do a micro pivot on and maybe be a more effective leader if I engage with somebody differently and asking for feedback about your leadership during those hurdle moments, I think, um, is, is just extremely important as you like kind of tune your, tune your skill set over time and kind of increase your proficiency of your leadership skills. Um, and then, you know, I, I have this belief and as I've kind of looked at my career over this continuum of, of, um, you know, two decades that, um, that as you think about it, everything you do prepares you for that next thing that you're going to take on and that next challenge and that next set of responsibilities. And so as I sit here today as the uh, chief information security officer of Verizon, I look back over the course of my career. I felt like all the different roles I've had, and I've had very different roles. I've worked in technology teams. I've worked in information security teams. I've worked in the finance organization and a treasury organization. All of that experience has it has led me to this point now where I have a, a lot of different skills in my toolkit and tools in my toolkit that I can use. Yeah. And so um, again, and that Two, two day, two hour, two day, two month, two week, yeah. two year, you have very different perspectives of that hurdle that you're facing into and, and how you get through it and how you continue to grow as a leader. And yeah. you will stumble. I mean, the hurdles are also stumbles, but the, the stumbles, if you process them the right way and you get the right feedback and you think about how you could do things differently going forward, what could you have done to have been more effective, that one degree of you know additional... Um, um, output or outcome or effectiveness can make all the difference in right. a team dynamic in achieving a goal or a success and kind of getting through that hurdle onto the other side of it. So you mentioned that throughout your career, you've taken some risks and new challenges um, in order to get to the next level. So I'm curious, how would you describe your relationship with risk taking? Um, do you think it's you know necessary to be open to risks and even failure to find success? Absolutely. I think of every time I've looked at my next opportunity or a job that I would consider, I always had this formula in mind, which was I would bring to that new role 60 to 65 percent of the skills required to do the job. But I wanted to learn the other 30 to 40 percent. So for me, every time that I looked at a new role, I wanted to have that growth and 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 part of that role to be demanding of me in terms of growing my skills, either adding new tools to my toolkit or taking the tools that I have and mastering them to a higher degree of, of proficiency. And um, I did. I, I took a job. It was a risk. And I was a um, mother with two young children and um, married with to my husband. And there was an assignment um, where I could go um, to Lockheed Martin's headquarters and build the Center for Leadership Excellence, which was a basically a training conference and hotel. Oh. So I was a technology person that went to a corporate headquarters to go build, um, do a construction project and a technology project and a business project 
project. And I said, um, I'm going to go take that assignment and do something I've never done before. Um, I'm going to get experience working at headquarters, which is a is an, an important experience. And I don't know where that's going to lead me because Lockheed Martin doesn't build training conference centers as a business. It's not a right? core competency. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not their core <laughs> competency, but they needed... Um, they needed a strategic capability and that that facility and the operations of that facility was a strategic capability for that company. And so um, I, I did a remote assignment uh, for 18 months in that it was the best thing I did. It was a risk because I didn't know what the next thing was. I knew I would eventually come back in technology. Um, and I ended up spending, instead of a year and a half, three years in the treasury department and finance and, and really understanding how business runs and everything financial about a large corporation. And then I, I came back to technology and into security and have been there ever since. And so, but I, w- I would not have taken that assignment if my board of directors hadn't challenged my thinking around it because my first reaction was like, I don't know that I want to take that big of a risk. Right. And then as we worked through it and thought more about how would I how would I care for my family, which is extremely important to me mm-hmm. if I was remote um, for 18 months, um, you know, doing a lot of travel, how would I care for my family, which is, again, a priority, and then also be able to do that job well. And how could I make all of that work? And, and, and also the other thing from a career perspective perspective I always think about is I always wanted to be a compelling candidate as a female candidate for the next job. And I always, over the course of my career, you know, looked at what different projects or assignment or tasks could I go work and do where I could gain experience that when I was applying for my next job, that when I was on the candidate list with Joe and Rob and Paul, um, that I would be viewed not just as a female candidate, but as a compelling candidate and that I had I had a differentiator in my resume and in my in my portfolio and in my skill set compared to the men and so that has often driven you know what would make me be different enough that I could sit there as a female candidate perfectly qualified to do the job but what would compel them to say her Right. I want her because, you know, the other candidates on the slate, like they're all qualified, but they all they all never push themselves out of a zone. And maybe yeah. they didn't have other diverse experiences that I had. So I think that drive to always grow in any role I take. Um, work towards being a compelling candidate for whatever role I would interview for. Um, those are the types of things that really like have, you know, it's, they've um, borne fruit over the course of my career yeah. and have really helped me to get, um, you know, get the experiences that I've needed to be able to be a CISO for the company that's um, first a 5G. Yeah. I think that's really inspiring for a lot of women and minorities out there. Um, everything you said about being a compelling candidate. Um, what is one way that you think the leaders of today can help empower the next generation? Sponsorship. 
I think about my career and I had a female sponsor, a female leader who was an executive back at Lockheed Martin and she was a sponsor for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she helped shine the light on my strengths that I didn't see, um, you know, challenged me to think about my career and what I what I could go do and was capable of go, going to do in a different way. And so I think that we have an obligation to help other women achieve their aspirations. And so sponsoring, um, networking, helping the network and, and connect, connect um, the next generation either into industries or into companies or into our EWF community. That's a, an extremely powerful gift um, and tool. It's a, yeah. a gift to give somebody. It's also a, a tool um, for each of us to have that we can, we can use and leverage. And then I think uh, letting them know that they can, they can change the world and having them know that they can change the world and and getting behind some of the ideas that they have. And so one of the things that's really important to me at Verizon as we think about the work that we do is giving their voice um, a microphone and their ideas funding. Yeah. Um, and so I think we've got it. We we have a responsibility. I know I was I benefited for somebody who reached down and pulled me up yeah. um, and helped me. And I, I feel now in my role, I have an obligation to do the same. And I'm I'm so excited about if you think about where we're going to be. I know you know Verizon. We're we're rolling out five uh, G. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the fourth industrial revolution with all the new technologies coming out. The world's going to be a completely different place five to 10 years from now as we think about where technology is going to go and where security needs to go to stay with that technology. And so I think that there's just a lot of opportunity out there um, for the next generation of leaders to really change the world and change how businesses operate and create new businesses that didn't even exist previously. So it's, it's kind of exciting. And would you say that the dialogue around um, diversity with women specifically has changed throughout your career or maybe among different companies you've been with? I feel strongly that um, the discussion around diversity and inclusion has mm-hmm. changed considerably. Um, I still think, though, there's also work to be done in certain areas. Um, so I don't think the work is finished by any means. I'm really um, thankful for the men that have stepped forward as allies for women in our field. We have some wonderful um, CISOs, uh, male CISOs that are so supportive of the women in our field. Um, And for them, I'm extremely grateful because they can amplify and um, support a lot of the different initiatives. Uh, I I love the fact, like I'm fortunate, I'm at a company that um, is very inclusive. And so the way the ideas are shared and the way we collaborate as an organization is, I think, amazing. Uh, and, I, you know, I just want to see more adoption across all levels of companies and all industries yeah. with around, with regards to diversity and inclusion. Right. And I would, I would encourage women, um, because of the field we're in and we're in such high demand and there aren't you know, there are more positions than there are, than there's talent to fill them. I'd say to the women there, you have a choice about where you work and you have an opportunity 
to, based on your career aspirations, go work for a company that really demonstrates values and the way the environment is in terms of how they work, that can align with you, that can motivate you, that you're just like jazzed when you go into work and you work with your coworkers because you feel valued, your ideas are are discussed, um, you know, you found your own voice. And I think, you know, for some of the, so we, you know, we have choices in terms of where we work. And so it's fabulous right now to be in a field where we are in high demand, oh, yeah. women in, uh, in the field that we're in and, and you have a choice. And you also, if you're in a place that isn't as um, focused on inclusion, mm-hmm. you can help change your company around that. Yeah. And there are ways to do that. And there are companies that still need to change. And so you can also be a change agent within your own company if you feel like they're not as inclusive as they need to be. So you mentioned that it's important, um, especially for women, to be able to work somewhere where you can find your voice. Um, And I think a lot of us know that research shows women are often less assertive than men in the workplace and maybe tend to apologize or minimize the importance of what they're saying when they do speak up. So... How did you manage to find your voice and that confidence at work? And is there anything in particular that you um, are personally willing to take a stand on and fight for? Yeah, this is a great um, this is a great discussion, right? So, if you think about what I shared with you earlier, I, I consistently every day ask myself. Could I have been more effective? If I look at what I did today, was I as effective as I needed to be? And I specifically ask that around meetings that I hold, whether or not I'm part of a team in a meeting or I'm actually the host for the meeting or the senior leader at the meeting, what could I have done to be more effective? And so one of the techniques I use and I I highly recommend to my mentees is the concept of a mirror. And over the course of my career, when I was doing briefings or participating in a meeting or even leading a meeting, I would ask an individual to be my mirror. And I would say to them, I know you're participating in this meeting, but can you please be my mirror? And can you watch how the group responds to what I'm saying? Can you give me feedback on if there's a way I could deliver a message or facilitated the meeting differently to have gotten a, you know, a more effective discussion or a more effective outcome? And, um, and you know, it was funny, at one, in, in one business unit I was in, they would say, can I be your mirror? Like, I want to be, you know, so it kind of became a, you know, kind of a funny matter because between me and some of the individuals I had asked to be a mirror, but that process where you get like your hot, what a hot wash is like, you know, right after something happens, you do the hot wash. When you get that mirror hot wash feedback, you know, they can actually help you tune and micro pivot what they're doing because they, they're, you're trying to be who you are in the meeting and create outcomes and have your voice be heard. But having that mirror helps. Um, and, and, you know, and the other thing is if you have a good idea, you do need to find your voice and sometimes you can do that yourself. So I really love the phrasing, if I may, you lean in and you say, if I may, and then usually the room kind of quiets and then they want you to hear. So if I may, is a very powerful, um, introductory statement. Um, you can also, um, you know, 
figure out like one of the things I say is like when you contribute to the meeting, you want to be thinking strategically. You want to be thinking, you know, different perspective than Mm -hmm. others. And you want to make sure your voice is heard. And it doesn't, you know, you can do that in meetings, but you can also do that through other means because you can stakeholder outside of meetings and give your ideas to individuals. You don't always have to have your voice heard in the room with everybody. It's important that you do because you want to show up in the meeting and be viewed as having good ideas and thoughts and and how you can support and help the team innovate or problem solve or deliver. Um, And then I think, and sometimes you might need help with somebody to say, what do you think? You know, it's also incumbent, I think, on us as leaders to pull people into the discussion. But it's equally as important that we as team members or leaders, that we, we project our voice and that we don't and we project in a way that's constructive and we project in a way that's supportive of everybody that's participating. So I'm a big fan of lightning rounds. So when I run meetings, I run lightning rounds at the end. And I said, we're going to lightning round. And lightning round is everybody at the meeting. Any other comments or ideas or thoughts? Any other comment? And everybody knows when Chandra goes to lightning round, you're going to be asked, you know, for your input then. So I think we as leaders can create constructs Mm -hmm. to pull people in and have them um, included in the discussion. I think as participants, you need to find your voice and, and it, you know, and that's over time. You don't have to just, you know, find it all on the next day, right? Mm -hmm. And there are really effective ways to do that. And I think having the mirror helps because you can go and say to somebody, how am I perceived in the meeting? Like, am I, am I, you know, compared to everybody else and what they're saying and doing, like, what's your perception of my participation in that meeting? And if they're, if they're an honest mirror for you, they'll say what you did was great or you know, here would have been a better way to present your idea or your thought, or you didn't speak up at all. And, you know, Joe and Paul did, and, and you have better ideas than them, but because you didn't bring your idea forward, you know, so having that mirror really is a big help. So um, something that you mentioned was uh, family also and how that's a priority to you and something that I'm sure you have to balance with your career. How have you managed to do that? And uh, what might you say to women who are at any point in their career struggling to prioritize and find that balance? So that's an interesting word, balance. I don't use that word. Mm. I use the word integration because everything we do, our life is integrated, work and family. And I recall um, like early on in career, when I was, early on in my career when I was a new mother and I had two young children, they were both under the age of five and I went to a women's event and there were these like extraordinary women on this panel and they said, and I remember it, they said, the best advice that they could give the younger generation of women leaders was do not, when you make a decision to be with your family, be with your family and do not regret or ruminate over the fact you're not at work. And when you make the decision to be at work, be fully present at work and and don't regret or ruminate over not being with family. So part of it is being committed to those decisions and being able to do that. Um, fortunately, companies are much more supportive of women and in, in their family commitments now. Um, and so from that perspective, 
you know, I really think that um, you have to like integrate everything and you have to from my perspective be committed to what you do and when you do family do family and don't 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 be sorry about that, right? They're an important part of who you are and what's important to you and your value structure. And when you do work, you're doing work. Um, it was funny, uh, we had a women's executive meeting at, at Verizon at just this past week, and we had two fantastic panelists come and talk to us. One was a senior executive from Cisco and Ariana, um, um, having them from Huffington Post. And um, it was funny. And what we talked about this integration and the w one woman had shared that she and her husband very early on decided that spending time together on the family was more important than, than them doing certain tasks. Um, and so, uh, you know, her, what she said was we outsourced everything but love. And so, you know, they got help with somebody cutting the lawn so that they could spend time together as a family and, and instead of having one of the spouses or partners out mowing the lawn. And and so that was, um, that to me was, I thought that was really a, a, you know, a great perspective on really like, like what are your priorities? Where do you want to spend your time? And commit to it, commit to it fully. Yeah. Because I believe, you know, where women, um, you know, women tend to, take on guilt unnecessarily, right? And to think that they're not superwoman or wonder woman because, you know, for fill in the blank, right? And I really think um, you can be a you can be amazing mother, sister, daughter, spouse, partner, and be an amazing coworker. Right um, or leader or you know team player, um, but you have to find your own formula for that. And and when you don't work with the formula that works for you, it comes through. It really comes through. Like your energy is diminished, um, your motivation. Um, you're not fully present in what you're doing, and so it, it comes out in other ways that that aren't positive for you. And so I, what I found is that women that have like articulated that formula for themselves and then stick to it no matter what. Um, they are some of the happiest and most, most centered people that I, that I know. That's a great takeaway. So thank you so much, Chandra, for sharing your experiences and insights with us. And thank you to our audience also for listening to this episode of Next Exec. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and give us a review. 